Hello, happy Saturday, November 12th, 2022. Uh, my name is Neo and you're listening to The Matrix is Real. Um, I'm, I'm encouraged these days in many ways. Um, I'm noticing more and more that a lot of prominent um, alternative media slash mainstream uh, sources um, and, and uh, minds like Russell Brand <clears throat> and uh, um, Joe Rogan are beginning to start uh, talking about uh, central bank digital currencies, also known as CBDCs. Um, and, and I say alternative media slash mainstream because these guys increasingly are mainstream. Um, Joe Rogan, as much as people, you know, say that he's attacked um, and, you know, that he is true, truly alternative and stuff. At the end of the day, the guy's the largest uh, uh, and most paid uh, podcast on earth. Um, there's an old saying, uh, it's, it's, it's difficult to acquire wealth, but even more difficult to keep it. So I just feel once you reach a certain level of uh, celebrity, a certain le- level of influence in this world, um, it doesn't mean you, you're necessarily fully compromised, but it does mean that uh, the chances of you being somewhat compromised or having to, you know, appease certain types of people does uh, increase and and um, so I always view them with that with that in mind um, but here, here's the thing as much as I am encouraged by this increased discussion on uh, CBDCs that tells me one thing is that they're that much closer to being implemented and today what I wanted to talk about is the dialogue is of course great however I still feel that these people and everyone that is talking about it are viewing this um, discussion through the lens of um, the material, you know, three-dimensional physical existence that we find ourselves living in, when in actuality there is a much deeper and darker agenda uh, at play. Um, World War II, you know, was fought with with bullets and missiles and tanks and airplanes. Um, World War Three has already been waged on humanity, but World War III is being fought in the spiritual realm uh, first and foremost, and uh, increasingly is is being fought also in the material world as far as attacking liberty and freedom and um, uh, violating body autonomy and injecting experimental uh, drugs and and gene therapy into people against their will. so that's what I wanted to talk about today. Um, I was watching uh, Joe Rogan interview Tulsi Gabbard, um, and they were talking about CBDCs. And he he made a you know a great point. He said that increasingly in this country, in the United States of America, um, the discussion is um, we we need to have CBDCs in order to compete with China, which already has them, and which already has a social credit system. And he said. What stood out to me is, you know, we have to be more communist to compete with communism. And, you know, that is definitely what is going on in the world. There is a, a push toward a communist state, which in, in, in truth, tr- and this is not an endorsement of communism, but a true communist system is where the people have the power um, and that all wealth is truly shared. But in practice in the world, Communism has never actually been done that way in the world in the in, in, in practice communism is uh, where the state has control um, and and the people have little to none and the true wealth is not truly shared across all classes and spectrums of people it is actually consolidated within the state which then decides who gets what and how much 
um, this might be a controversial discussion, but I feel that Jesus, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, a.k.a. Isa, a.k.a. Um, uh, Yeshua, uh, advocated a communist system in the sense that he, he wanted a, quote, commune. He wanted, um, you know, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. He wanted a system where not only was wealth shared and we took care of each other, but um, the people that are most wealthy on this planet had a, had an increased obligation to take care of those around them. And that just goes uh, on his belief that, um, you know, the, the, the more that God blesses you, the more of a responsibility you have to to help your fellow man and make sure that they are taken care of. If you, if you go to the um, Islamic Quran, the Muslims believe in something called the zakat. And the zakat is basically, it's like a, almost like a tax that the wealthy, all people actually are supposed to pay in order to support the most vulnerable people, members of their society, the old, the sick, the desolate, etc. Um, but like I was saying, CBDCs, <clears throat> if you're unaware what they are, uh, a CBDC, we, we have Bitcoin today, we have uh, Ether, we have all these various altcoins, and, and, and etc. Um, a, a CBDC will be issued by a central bank. So like the Federal Reserve in the United States, the Bank of England in the UK, um, the, uh, the um, European Central Bank in Europe, uh, Bank of Japan in Japan, etc. Um, and little back, back explanation, central banks are governed by one, the largest bank in the world, which is the Bank of International Settlements. This is the bank of all banks. Um, so even though these banks, these central banks operate in different countries, number one, they're private banks. You have to understand that the Federal Reserve Bank in the United States of America is not part of the U.S. government. Um, it's no more, the, the old saying that I've heard so many uh, prominent voices say is, the Federal Reserve is no more federal than Federal Express. They named it that to get the masses to be confused, as they did with like the Bank of England. People think, oh, the Bank of England is part of the U.K. No, it's not. They're all private entities. So first and foremost, they do not work for the benefit of the people in any way, shape, or form, nor does the government, for that matter. There, there is no government for the people by the people. Um, you know, if you really think that, whenever we have, I mean, yeah, we have in a lot of these countries, uh, people revolting and storming, the, you know, their, their respective capitals, and, you know, we need to have new elections, but ultimately the system remains in place. This very system that, that, that they're angered against and that, that, that they fight against is the one that ultimately prevails just with new leadership. So, um, <clears throat> backing up, uh, the, the CBDCs when issued, um, first are going to move alongside cash for, for a very short period of time, I feel, but, um, the, the danger, the inherent danger with a central bank digital currency is um, regulation, first of all, and, and centralized authority. Um, and also the technology can be fine-tuned and programmed to serve whatever narrative or benefit they are or, or, or goal or outcome they're looking for. For example, um, in China, that we have a social credit system there. Uh, if you speak negatively about the government in China, for example, on uh, on any of their social media platforms, or you know, they hear about it in public, um, they can program your CBDCs so that you can't spend them, or that you can't spend them in specific ways. So, for example, let's say they, they have a, a, a political dissident that they really don't want traveling anywhere. Well, they can program your money so that every time you go to a bus station, every time you go to an airport, every time you go to a, a like a ferry service, anytime you go to a trolley, anytime you go to a train, that 
that your money will not work. It, it's there. It's in your bank account, but you can't spend it. Um, you know, taking it a step further, we keep talking about uh, climate change, you know, man-made, man-driven climate change, which climate change is real. But the, the number one, the dead giveaway that, that, it's, that it's bull is that they, they demonize carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is, number one, is what humans breathe out. So when, they, when they're waging a war on, on CO2, they're literally waging a war on human beings. You know, we talk about, you know, a growing population. They literally are waging a war against a growing human population. You know, we already have massive, massive downturns in, in male and female fertility and uh, uh, child birth rates. Um, and, and anyone that says the, the idea of scarcity um, empowers the ruling elite and creates a, 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 a system of control. Um, there is no scarcity on this planet. This planet has abundance. Um, there is so much untapped resources and potential that exist. Um, it's just a matter of the the elites via their, their controlled media um, have made it seem like there is not and there's only a finite amount of resources. So getting back to the whole point of, uh, of this episode, um, central bank digital currencies, this week... Um, arguably the largest fraud and uh, shockwave in the history of the cryptocurrency space, FTX Global uh, declared bankruptcy after essentially um, embezzling upwards of seven plus billion dollars of client uh, of client funding. Um, the CEO, basically with his um, executives, siphoned off this amount of money into a subsidiary um, called Alameda. And um, Alameda used this money to basically make risky bets, um, which all actually came down to uh, FTX issuing its own token and using it as collateral to obtain actual, you know, actual dollar funding from, from various entities. Um, it was basically a large, giant Ponzi scheme. We, in, in the crypto space, uh, you might be familiar with the implosion of Mount Gox. Um, this makes it, you know, tiny in comparison. I've heard some people say that this was the equivalent of having a Lehman Brothers and an Enron happen on the same weekend. Now, um, ever since this event happened, I've been hearing various people, you know, personalities, politicians, say that this is evidence that we need regulation of crypto. Um, that and, and I, you know, I'm not gonna, not not gonna say I'm not gonna disagree, but I, I will say that um, this is clear evidence of something that's just the tip of the iceberg. What happened to FTX is happening all over the world. You you have so many different entities issuing their own tokens, you know, their own digital coins, and then using said coins as collateral to basically obtain funding you know real dollar real money funding if you want to call it that so uh, uh i saw peter schiff uh somebody that that you know they say is anti-bitcoin but he actually has a long uh kind of complicated and controversial history with bitcoin you know actually uh being a buyer um of bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies anyway the point that he said is that this isn't the canary canary in the in the gold mine uh is that what it is? Canary in the coal, coal, coal mine. Um, 
this is the the coal mine um that that this is the beginning of the inevitable collapse of of bitcoin and various other uh altcoins and cryptocurrencies what what he says and he kind of breaks it down is that the past couple months and, I, and if you if you follow bitcoin price you know you probably can just without even much analysis probably have noticed this bitcoin's been trading sideways in a very tight narrow range which this is against the backdrop of the S&P 500 and various stock market uh stock markets and in, in, indexes um you know in free fall um we have various different uh publicly traded companies reporting you know terrible earnings or issuing terrible guidance and seeing their stock prices fluctuate you know 10 20% in in you know in in a matter of a couple minutes so if you were alive to live through the last major financial crisis, uh, the Great Recession of 2007-2008, um, I remember very vividly um, when somebody like Ben Bernanke was talking on TV, you know, all stocks across the board would go up or down 10-20%. Um, it was very, very volatile at all times. Um, and then that's, that's, that's when the Federal Reserve was, you know, beginning to try to intervene in markets go back you know when when that wasn't happening yet and markets would be in a free fall by the same amount so we're, we're getting back to a very volatile uh financial world yet for some reason bitcoin is more steady than ever but not not to not to not like to the upside not not for really install really instilling uh, um a sense of you know financial stability like you know in times of crises uh gold you know is a very 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 steady performing asset it's very boring but it's very steady why it's got a history people know not not even really people but institutions banks central banks governments they know that gold has relative value and you could say as much as you want things only have value particularly gold because we agree it does it's a shiny metal it just sits there. Okay, I'm not going to disagree with you, but the point is, is that gold is money, and it has been for thousands of years, and people know that. So, as boring as it may be, um, it's very, very stable in certain, you know, certain periods of time. But the 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 the, the breakdown that, that Peter Schiff gives is that it almost looks like the market is being artificially propped up, um, because. If you again, if you've been following Bitcoin at all, Bitcoin is extremely volatile, especially against the backdrop of something like FTX happening. So my thesis from the beginning, um, for this is going on for years now, is Bitcoin is a Trojan horse. Um, Bitcoin started off just you know read the history started off by an anonymous person entity group uh, that that goes by the pseudonym Satoshi Nakamoto which I believe in Japanese literally means central intelligence. That's what it translates into. But against the backdrop of the financial crisis of 2007-2008, Bitcoin's white paper emerges uh, first embraced primarily by you know cyberpunk techie nerds. Um, and over the course of you know 5, 10, 15 years, evolves to first capture you know retail people trying to chase, you know, get rich fast type, you know, quick scheme. Uh, and then 
And this is when everyone, it was literally last year and the year before, kept saying as soon as Bitcoin gets embraced into institutionally and you see Wall Street and, you know, corporate America start to embrace it, you're going to see the, the price just, you know, smash higher and higher and higher. I remember reading daily last year in 2021 how by the end of the year, you know, mark our words, by the end of 2021, Bitcoin was going to be at $100,000. You know, it was going to be there. Get on the train right now. You're going to be left in the dust. You know, Tom Brady changed his eyes to laser eyes. Everyone was changing their eyes to laser eyes. Um, I, I remember uh, CZ, the, the CEO of uh, Binance or Binance or whatever it is, uh, saying that $50,000 was the new floor, was the new like, you know, $1,000 compared to what it used to be. Um but that obviously <laughs> it didn't materialize. Here we are, and in, in almost through the end of 2022, and not only, it, I mean, it, not only, not even not only, Bitcoin is closer to zero today than it is to a hundred thousand dollars. Look at the look at the prices. Okay, um, this is why I feel that Bitcoin is a Trojan horse. What has Bitcoin accomplished? Well, it has helped push digital money into the mainstream uh, everyone you know overall has kind of heard of bitcoin whether they know about it in terms of its technicals or what it actually is or how it works they, they've heard of it they know what it is um it it made a lot of people wealthy not not too many people in, in like the past year really but a lot of people from i'd say what 2010 to when it was not many people bought in in 2009, 2000, you know, but after 2010, 2011, some people started dabbling in it, I'd say, and maybe from 2015 on, a lot more people than earlier started to get in on it. Um, so a lot of people did acquire a, a, a lot of wealth, if they sold at least. Uh, it's that old argument, you know, you can talk as much as you want about price action, but if you never actually take your money off the table, if you never get up and walk away, from from a hot you know a, a hot table you, you actually aren't making any money so a lot of these holders you know however you pronounce it hodlers or whatever h-o-d-l you know holders um a lot of people did make money and some are still riding the wave hoping that it's going to go back and they're they, it's almost like a cult like a religion but it did push it into the mainstream it did inject it into the collective consciousness of humanity that uh, we, thus making it possible that we could transition away from a paper money monetary system to a digital one, which has long been a goal of the elites of the world. They've wanted a cashless system for a long time. So you accomplished this by making a lot of people wealthy, by promising future you know wealth based on past results, which is anyone that has any history in, in investing past performance is not indicative of future results you you can't you can't trade or invest based on the past you have to you have to you can use the past as a reference point but you have to invest based on the present and the future so um and 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 this is the second part so you commercialize it and, and make it mainstream but now it can be served as the patsy um Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns created massive waves of contagion, uh, counterparty risk across the board in 2007, 2008. 
to the point where it nearly dragged the entire global financial system, you know, to its to its knees, and and it did in many ways. Uh, it was the first time in history that we really had um, private sector debt and risky, you know, not even not even just debt, but like risky um, investing or gambling, if you want to call it that. We transferred that risk from the private sector to the public sector in the form of bailouts. We literally had Henry Paulson, um, or is it Hank or Henry? Hank Paulson, sorry, uh, telling the government, "Give us a blank check to bail our, bail out the banks, or the whole global system is going to collapse." Um, you know, they, they basically held a gun to their own head and, and said, give us money or we're going to pull the trigger and we're going to take you down with us. So that was kind of the first major change in terms of monetary policy, government policy. Um, Bitcoin, people don't understand because it is so institutionalized now and there are so many players from Wall Street in this space. If Bitcoin were ever and I've talked I've talked to people like this, I have a person that I follow and follows me on Twitter very nice guy, very intelligent, and he's just—he's one of those people that really, really believes in Bitcoin as a, as a theory. In theory, the idea of Bitcoin is 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 game changing, is revolutionary. But in practice, it's very different, and that's true with a lot of things in this world. I've asked him and many others before. I say, okay, you say that Bitcoin will never go to zero. That's your thesis. Uh, I always go back to this quote by Aristotle. It's the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain an idea without accepting it. So with that in mind, and I told him this, I said, just pretend for a second that Bitcoin were to go to zero. What kind of global financial crisis would it cause? And his answer was essentially it would cause massive financial turmoil across the world because everything is interconnected these days. You could argue the money velocity, you know, how quickly money moves and changes things in this world now that we're more and more digi digi digital digitized and more and more globally connected than we were in 2007, 2008. You could argue it'll happen even faster than Bear Stearns and Lehman did. Um, but, you know, here's a Bitcoin enthusiast slash cult member literally saying that it would cause major, major, major problems for the global financial order. Um, in that scenario, because now let's continue, let's continue playing it out. If Bitcoin goes to zero and we have agreed that it's going to cause a major, major, major financial pain all over the world, what would be the response of the governments of the world as well as the financial elites, the banks, the, the, the central banks of the world? What would their response be? Whether or not Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies were the actual cause of the crisis, um, they would definitely blame them for, for the crisis. The actual cause of the crisis is the uh, monetary policies of the elite, elites of the world, of the, of the, the central banks and the governments that they own. Um, j just alone, I mean, people keep coming down on Joe Biden saying, you know, look at how terrible the economy is with Biden. Look at inflation with Biden. Look at, you know, the, how Vladimir Putin has literally done whatever he wants uh, in Ukraine under Biden. But people forget all these policies started under Trump. The reason why we have record inflation right now under Biden is because under Trump, 
all that COVID stimulus money was injected into the markets for just like, like I said, back in 2007, 2008, when we set a new global precedent for basically bailing out private sector banking and transferring that, that risk and that debt onto the public sector, COVID started a new paradigm and a new precedent where we started handing cash to, to individuals, to people in an effort to try to stimulate the economy. There's a, there's a term for it. Um, it's called a helicopter money drops. That's literally the first time. It's always been a theory until COVID. And COVID made it a reality. You know, people sitting at, at home literally being handed hundreds and thousands of dollars, you know, with no questions asked. Maybe, you know, on signing on the dotted line, there's the, quote, threat or risk of, of getting in trouble legally. But so far, it doesn't seem like the government's too hellbent on actually, you know, prosecuting people and furthermore even if they did what would it really change the money's already been issued it's already been spent that the, the chances of them actually recovering any of that money and undoing any of the damage that's been done in terms of inflation it, it's impossible none of it's going to get undone it's almost like oops i knocked over my mic it's almost like the governments of the world and the elites and the banks wanted this to happen um so the anyway, the point is is that Trump is part of the Trump is part of the problem. Um, I know a lot of people still think that Trump, you know, is an enemy of the system and the system is against him and blah blah blah. But this is a guy that takes credit for the COVID vaccine. Not only not only you know, hey, it all happened under me, but like he he literally has pride in it. He he builds himself up like arrogantly over it. As much as people say, you know, hey. Trump was crazy for saying that, uh, you know, sunlight kills COVID or he was crazy for saying there's alternative, you know, off-label uh, treatments like ivermectin. Uh, you know, he, he's crazy for saying that. And, and you know, a lot of the, what he said in that regard turned out to be true. However, the guy still got his COVID shot. The guy still encourages people to get it himself themselves. Even if he, you know, has a little asterisk saying, well, I don't support there being mandates. That's his out. The guy's controlled opposition. And, and again, my whole point to all this is that it's all interconnected. This is all being done for a specific purpose. And that purpose is to transition globally um, the masses from a paper monetary system to a fully digital one. Um People don't understand, and I, feel, I think it's because we have already entered an era. I, I make jokes about it all the time. I sometimes pay with cash just because I know nobody else does. I'll talk to cashiers about central bank digital currencies, and you know some of them have heard about it vaguely. Other ones are completely clueless. But when I just briefly explain what it is, it's like, you know, imagine your kids or your grandkids, depending on how old you are, 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 are never going to know what paper money is. They're going to look at you like you're crazy. You know, oh, you guys used to exchange pieces of paper to pay for things. You know, you didn't, you don't pay with your Apple phone. You, did, you don't pay with the barcode on your hand. Um, that's how, you know, groundbreaking and, and, and paradigm shifting, uh, we, we, you know, we are in right now. Um, but again, the whole danger that that people are are seeing but not fully grasping is the oppressive dystopian nature of cbdc's 
And that's, again, going full circle to my original main point is that we are, I, I don't believe in, I don't believe in the Bible in its entirety. I believe that the Bible, like almost everything on this planet has been corrupted by the elite, is being used to serve different agendas and specific um, uh, goals for the elites of the world. Um, but as I said before, this is, we are living in, in the mark of the beast system. Um, I believe that a lot of prophecy that is made in the book of revelation is what was basically handwritten or, uh, edited by the elites to facilitate a certain type of response, both individually and collectively in the masses. When you make people believe that somebody is going to magically, you know, save the day like a white knight in shining armor, you make them apathetic. You make them complacent. You you make them think that that they don't have power and and they don't have to do anything in order to stop or at least resist the evil that is coming toward them. You know, as if. Imagine you're you're standing on the beach and uh, there's a massive tidal wave heading right for you. If you tell everyone that, hey, we're going to drop down a bunch of helicopters and we're going to airlift everyone off this beach, you know, in the next minute or two, just be patient. People will stand there and wait. Well, what happens when those helicopters don't come and you just start seeing the tidal wave hitting, hitting for you? Complete chaos. You know, people might stand there till the very end, but a lot of people will start panicking. And, and that's ultimately what I think is happening and what I think that, that, you know, the book of Revelation really is, is it's false prophecy with truths mixed in. And those that have the ability to discern for themselves and see it with their eyes and ears and read the signs, those are God's chosen people. But we make no mistake, we are living in the mark of the beast system and, and quote, the end times. And, and when I say end times, the term of apocalypse actually means, uh, the literal translation means, um, the, un the, the lifting of the veil, um, you know, seeing behind the, the curtain, that's essentially what it actually means. So when people say we're living in the end times, we're not living in the end of the world, you know, the end of existence. We're living in the end of this world, this current system and paradigm we live in, and a new one is going to be created in its place. But this is where I think that there's going to be a split, basically. We're going to see a major split between the physical and the spiritual realm. Even though we may continue to exist in this, this physical place, um, we're going to more and more see a gap between the physical and the spiritual. Um, how many people are truly going to uh, not not so much resist this new system, but refuse to consent to it. And this is what I always go back to. People say, you know, well, if you don't, the, the George Carlin the, the, hit the nail on the head with this one with regard to voting. Most people say, if you don't vote, you have no right to complain. And I'm loosely quoting here. And George Carlin said, it's backwards. If you vote, you have no right to complain because... You, not only did you vote for the the 
liars that are in office that are screwing everything up. But you, this is what he didn't say, but you, you consented to this. The people, people in the United States of America and all over the world were raised in, in the school system reading the Declaration of Independence. And it's almost like certain parts kind of just went over their head. This is the part that I always point out to people when they ask me to vote or they tell me to vote to change things. It says governments are instituted among men, deriving their just power from the consent of the governed. What if we don't consent? Better question, how many of us truly have consented in our lifetimes? Explicitly. Think about it. Did you ever sign the U.S. Constitution? Did you, if you're not listening in the United States of America, did you ever sign the Constitution of whatever country that you find yourself in? The answer is no. The, the basic premise of contract law is that unless you sign the contract, you're not, you're not bound by the conditions of it. So if you didn't sign the Constitution, what did you sign explicitly that gave the government permission to not only rule over you, but to subject you to all these different laws, rules, and regulations that otherwise go against your God-given sovereignty? Because if we are to believe in the institution of government, Governments are instituted among men, deriving their just power from the consent of the governed. So in other words, governments are created by people, for people, and they only have power that is taken from the people through consent. So again, if we didn't consent, none of this, none of this is, 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 uh, what's the word? None of this is, is, is legitimate. There it is. None of this is legitimate. None of the governments that rule over us are legitimate. None of them. So I I also, then I go, you know, so I go to that quote for people ask me to vote, but then I follow up with this one as my, my, my faith. It was Jesus that said, a man cannot serve two masters for if he serves two, he will love one and hate the other. How can you claim to serve God? If you are also serving the government, if you are voting for the government, if you are paying taxes to the government, if you are voluntarily signing up for government ID numbers like social security numbers, ITINs, EINs, if you are consenting to the regular theft of the fruits of your labor when I when I when I say theft I'm talking about taxation taxation is theft without consent and short of filling out a w4 form nobody really has consented to have what is it 25 50% of their of their wages taken out before they even get their damn paycheck like when you really break it down governments are more efficient thieves than the common criminal that robs you at gunpoint the only difference, in my opinion, is two things. One, cr criminals, common criminals, have the decency to pull a gun on you and look you in the in the face when they rob you. And number two, criminals have to literally stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with you and physically th make threats against you in front of you to get you, you know, your, your, your wealth, the fruits of your labor. Versus governments literally get their money from you number one without even having to see you but number two they the, the government gets the damn money before you do 
Think about that. Before before you get your paycheck, the government's already been paid, whether or not your employer has submitted the payment or not. The money has already been stolen from your check. And and you whether you realize it or not, it's not explicit. You're not you didn't sign up for this explicitly, but you are consenting to this system through various ways. And that is where we talk of the second coming of Jesus. Like I said, the, the, the example I gave with the tsunami and standing on the beach, there is not going to be a magical savior that flies down from heaven that saves the day and kills all the bad guys. That's not going to happen. When, when Jesus was talking about his return, well, number one, and I'll get it, I'll get, I need to do a podcast on it, but um, the evidence suggests that Jesus, when he said this, he, was, he knew he was going to go into hiding. And so in other words, when he says, I will return, he was talking about when I come, when the heats died down, because, you know, he, he was basically the, the most wanted fugitive in all of Rome and not, you know, you could argue, you know, at the time, no, throughout the Roman history, he, he was arguably the most wanted fugitive in the history of the Roman empire. And it wasn't just his re, re, people, people, this is what people don't realize. I, I wore shirts that say Jesus was an anarchist. Most people focus on the fact that Jesus posed a threat to the religious order of the Jews, you know, the high priests. But in actuality, what was he executed for? He was executed for sedition, which means rebelling against the, the ruling political and social authorities. He was, he was executed for rebelling against Rome, not against the synagogue, not against the, the Jewish high priests. He was executed for, for rebelling against the system. So Jesus was an anarchist, a political anarchist. And that ultimately is, is, is where we need to start as, as true followers of God. We need to start living in. Jesus said, walk in my footsteps. He didn't say, act like me. He said, be me. If you want to, to reach toward God, follow me and be like me. And that is why you want to see what, what where we're headed in terms of CBDCs. We, it is a mark of the beast system. A lot of people say, I'm not going to consent to it. I'm not going to agree to it. Just as a mental, as a mental exercise, if you're listening right now, I'm willing to bet you have a social security number, an ITIN, or something, some sort of government ID in terms of a number. And then also, I'm willing to bet you also have a state-issued ID in terms of a passport, a driver's license, an ID card, etc. issued by the government. Whether it's the state government, federal government, you have something that has been issued by the government. Imagine living in a world without these right now, not having them. You don't have a social security number. You don't have an ITIN. You don't have a, a driver's license, an ID, a passport. Try living your life. Try going to work. Try driving a car. It can be done. I'm doing it. I, I don't have any of these things, but I'm of the extreme minority. If, if it's hard enough to live in society without a damn social security number and a driver's license, imagine how hard it's going to be when we're fully, fully digital with no cash, paper, money, and we now have digital IDs because that's also part of the central bank digital currency system is in order to access CBDCs, you're going to need a digital ID. Um, last little tidbit uh, before I close is with COVID, 
they announced their plans real quick with vaccine passports. And a lot of people did embrace them. You know, I would say particularly people that, that were wearing the face masks, uh, supporting, you know, vaccine mandates, mask mandates, um, which I would say roughly half of the population, if I had a, if I had to guesstimate. Whether, whether they supported them explicitly, uh, we need them, or, hey, you know, it just what's the way the world's going, I might as well go along with it because I don't want to be excluded from society. Um, that was the goal from very beginning. And at some point, I noticed a shift in the narrative. It, it stopped being less and less about needing a passport, a health passport to travel, to access society. More and more, I've been hearing digital ID and and I realized they they saw maybe maybe who knows maybe it was more than they expected but they saw some sort of pushback, particularly amongst conservatives, a lot of conservatives. I'm not going to say Republican, but people that are more conservative minded because you have people that are Democrats that are conservatives. You know, th- th- there are people independents that are conservatives. A lot of people that are more conservatives in terms of 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 personal freedom push back against the idea. And I noticed that there's almost been a, a, a co-opting of the, the narrative where now, instead of talking about health passports, now we're talking about digital IDs and, quote, voter, voter integrity. Um, I think part of, the re, part of the reason that Trump and other, other people from you know, his side of the aisle, so to speak, have been really talking about voter fraud is to serve th- this idea that we need a digital ID to protect against it. Um, if you can't get... If you if you only got half of the world to embrace COVID passports, how are you going to get the other half to do it, whether whether explicitly or you know without really realizing it? Well, one of the ways you could do it is by getting them to embrace a digital ID system where, in order to vote, you have to basically have a a, a verifiable digital identification, and that solves the same thing that the COVID passport solved for the, for the elites, and so. As I said before, it's not just the central bank digital currencies you're going to take over. It's that you're going to need to start getting all these government IDs that are digital as well in order to access the new monetary system. Not many people are going to opt out. Not many people are going to keep and withdraw their consent from the start. A lot of people, when we start making this shift, are going to do it because they're going to say the same thing that so many other people that got the COVID jab said you know i don't want to be left out of society i I, i'm not going to live quote off the grid and that's where we're headed if you really claim to be a a follower of of christ and 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 a servant of god because they're not one and the same you can follow christ and be a buddhist you can follow christ and be a muslim or a jew people don't realize the, the the muslims actually revere jesus he's actually the most mentioned person both directly and indirectly in the Quran even more so than the prophet Muhammad Um, according to the Quran Jesus is the Messiah but the Messiah for the Muslims was a prophet same thing for the Jews The, the, the Messiah for the Jews is a king is an earthly physical mortal king so ultimately again that's just how I see the world going and um, it's interesting. Again, you want to talk about biblical prophecy. It's funny how the Antichrist is a person that, that could unite the world. 
a person that promises to unite the, the global religions. It's almost like, you know, how the government, COINTELPRO, how the government co-ops, um, you know, different movements or messages and then alters them to fit its narrative. I believe, and you can call me the Antichrist if you want, but I believe that we can unite the, the, the dominant world religions because they all believe in the same thing. Christianity and, and Islam, these same same characters, you know, this Abraham, Moses, Jesus, Mary, the same stories, the same basic messages, but a fundamental difference of agreement of was Jesus the literal son of God? Judaism, uh, in terms of the number of people that identify as, as Jew or Jewish, relatively small compared to the global population, but I would argue that Judaism is a dominant global religion because the belief of the Jews dominates global geopolitics and uh, public discourse. Uh, you can see very clearly with Kanye West recently, you can't talk negatively about the Jewish faith without having major repercussions in this world. Even if what you say isn't in any way anti-Semitic, you will be branded as an anti-Semite for your views. So there is something, whether you want to talk about you know Jews running the world through various institutions, um, it is a dominant global force in terms of religion. And I'm 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 putting up my my fingers right now. Christianity, Islam, Judaism can unite as one. When we when we recognize that Jesus was not the literal Son of God, there's tons of historical fa facts and evidence that suggest this, and and that's the one major flaw of religion is that people have such faith in their in their beliefs that they refuse to look at other sources that contra that contradict their own core beliefs you know just like the, just like when people say trust the science they, but they refuse to look at other others you know scientific studies and and and, and information that con con conflicts with their own core beliefs same is true for religion trust the religion until until the evidence says that your religion is full of crap so again Central bank digital currencies. I'm I'm encouraged to see that a lot of people are talking about them, but they're missing the bigger point: is that evil is rising, and and the CBDC is the mark of the beast system at play, as is the digital ID, and everything going on today is not a coincidence. It's all being done to basically control and enslave humanity. Keep your eyes open. It's gonna be. You thought COVID was a wild ride. 2022 2023 and on is going to be even wilder buckle up if you have not come to quote god yet now is your chance but it's a matter as morpheus always said in the matrix there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path the path that needs to be walked is the one where we do not give consent to government anymore there is no king no government no congress no parliament there is only God. You do not serve any of the government interests or any government on earth if doing so conflicts with serving your true master, which is the God Almighty. Thank you for listening. My name is Neo, and you've been listening to The Matrix is Real. Out.